Right now, we welcome into the program from the Believe Podcast Network, uh, Coach Scott Spinelli. Coach, uh, good. Uh, I started to say good afternoon. Good morning, and we appreciate your time this morning. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. It, it's that time, Coach. It, it, it is it's NCAA tournament time, and, and uh, we, we got it rolling last night. What were your thoughts uh, just on those first couple of games? I thought Texas Southern and, and uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, once they kind of got past the jitters, uh, pretty entertaining basketball game. You know what? The, it was. I mean, in those first four matchups are always a little bit more of teams coming in. Um, you know, they know they're on the national stage. Everybody's watching those games. And so, to your point, I think they were a little bit uptight. Both, uh, All four teams in both games, uh, you know, were a little bit uptight early. But uh, really good game. I mean, Texas Southern, you know, you can't say enough about the, the year they've had. I mean, that win at Florida, um, you know, when Florida was ranked at that time, you know, really showed potentially how good that team can be. And, uh, you know, they beat a good t- Texas A&M Corpus team last night. So, yeah, that was a good game. And obviously, you know, Indiana, um, you know, showed out here that in late in that game against Wyoming to get the win. Coach, is there more parity in college basketball this year than there has been in the years past, mainly because the transfer portal helped that a lot? But the parity, should that be a leaning toward an even more entertaining tournament this year? I tell you what, I mean, I think really what makes um, the games now, uh, you know, so much more competitive, um, I think the three-point line is the great equalizer. Um, you know, when you start thinking about a lot of these teams that are coming from lower conferences um, and they're built from within or they're built with guys who can all pass, dribble, and shoot, um, it makes for interesting matchups, right? Like for one-game settings, um, you know, anybody could beat anybody in this tournament, especially if, if they're a team that really shoots the three-ball well. And there's no, there's no uh, accident that – out of the 10 teams that led the country this year in three-point field goal percentage, seven of those 10, 10 teams are in the NCAA tournament. So I do think the parity of because of the teams, you know, with skilled guys who can make shots, especially that three-point shot, I think it makes the, uh, these matchups a lot more interesting. When you look at the bracket, what are some of the first-round games that you would recommend people keeping a close eye on? Well, I'll tell you what, this Providence-South Dakota State game is going to be fun to watch, right? So uh, you have a Providence team was the Big East, uh, you know, regular season champion, uh, had a, have had a sensational year. And then you look at a team like South Dakota State uh, that has been built within. Those, those kids have come up through the program for the most part. Uh, they're built at all five possession, uh, positions where they can all pass, dribble, and shoot. Uh, they were a number one three-point field goal percentage uh, team in the country this year. Um, and again, you know, most of these power five conferences, when you start thinking about their bigs, they're, they're talking 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", you know, 240, 250, 260. They're going to be getting those bigs away from the baskets, putting up, put them in long closeout situations. They're going to have to guard uh, South Dakota State's front court, um, and then they, you know, they can make the three ball. If you do close out, they'll drive you know, right past you. They'll put you in foul pressure. Um, so I do think that's a very intriguing matchup uh, starting out. I don't think that's a great matchup for Providence, uh, you know, starting out. And then I think if you look at you know this Arkansas Vermont game, um, you know, people don't know a lot about Vermont, right? So this this is a matchup that you have a, an NBA coach and Coach Musselman, 
who plays defensive uh, a defensive game in terms of keeping things on one side of the floor and they really pressure the ball. And so what happens is in any of those side ball screen actions, what happens is Vermont is going to take that big on. They try what you call ice it. They down it. They, they keep it on that side of the floor. And so I think Vermont's skill set at all five positions, when they drive that ball and take the big on in that ball screen coverage, they're going to throw back. And then Vermont's got undersized bigs who are all skilled that can pass, dribble, and shoot. So, again, that's a, that's a game within the game there. Uh, interesting matchup. I think Vermont's going to be a little bit better than people think in that game. Um, those two in particular really stand out to me, uh, you know, in this first round. In the Big 12, uh, down in our part of the world, uh, talk about a couple of matchups for us. Uh, Iowa State and LSU, and then on the other side of the bracket, Texas and Virginia Tech. Both could be uh, very interesting first-round games. Oh, no question. I Well, obviously, what was going on in LSU is really hard, right? You're dealing with a lot of uh, kids here who have just had a major change. And, you know, so much of coaching this day and age, it's not like it once was. I mean, obviously – as a coach, you're, you know, you're holding your kids accountable and you've got to, you know, make, you know, hold yourself accountable. Um, but at the same time, um, it's all about relationship based coaching and to lose their head coach um, at this late juncture, that's not easy for young kids to have to adhere to and adjust to here so late. Um, you know, hopefully coach Nickelberry can get them to rally around that. And, uh, but you know, that's going to be hard for LSU. Uh, with that said, Iowa State it played in a, as you know, that Big 12 this year was <laughs> is a tough and you know toughest any tough as any conference in the country, and so they're battle tested. Uh, they had a tremendous non-conference showing, and then when they got into the Big 12, you know they had some ups and downs, um, and so I think they're going to be a team that you know could really make some noise here. Uh, Iowa State, I think defensively they're very good. I love their roster. They've got a lot of guys uh, on that roster that you know, are explosive offensively if they need to be. But, I mean, they hang their hat defensively, um, and I think they're going to be a very difficult matchup uh, in that first game for LSU just because of the way they defend. Although LSU will cause turnovers too now. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then the Virginia uh, the Virginia Tech-Texas game, you have two programs that are, you know, um, couldn't be built any differently. Um, Virginia Tech, Coach Young was at Wolford prior to his Vatech days, and he took a lot of the kids from Wolford, a mid-major conference, um, and he recruited a lot of mid-major, you know, lower-star guys and has developed those kids within a system. And, you know, this continuity, this familiarity, there's a lot of chemistry and consistency there, but they've got a roster filled with mid-major guys who are a little bit older now, um, and they're very, very skilled. Um, uh, you know, their bigs aren't the traditional bigs, Aluma and Mutz. Uh, those guys are all skilled guys. And then when you think about Texas's roster, um, Coach Beard, they've got five stars, four stars, transfers, and they build their program on their defense with a lot of highly regarded players. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And Vatek coming off the ACC Tournament Championship, um, they led the ACC in three-point field goal percentage. They're going to be a very difficult out for Texas in that first round. Coach, talk about the job that Scott Drew's been able to do with the Baylor Bears defending national champions. They they start off and, and not getting a whole lot of respect, fight their way through on a 15-game stretch, get to number one, 
and then the injury bug hits them even harder, but they still find a way to win the conference and get a good seed in in a number one seed in the conference. Just talk about the job that, that Scott Drew has been able to do with this basketball team and fighting through those injuries. Incredible job. Uh, you've got to tip your hat to what Coach Drew and his staff have done, um, you know, this year with this team. Obviously losing Cryer, um, you know, uh, losing the big fella. Um, you know, really, um, you know, those two guys in any program, you know, could have really been detrimental in terms of the season, right? The season could have gone the other way. And instead, it really speaks to what Coach Drew and his staff have established there at Baylor as it relates to their culture. Um, you know, again, there's a there's a belief that when you're the national champs, defending national champions, you know, you have this um, this this belief and this confidence about you. And I think it's become infectious even among some of these guys who have had to assume bigger roles, right? Um, and, and, you know, you can't, you know, help but really compliment the job that he's done. I do think that, you know, missing those two guys could catch up to him later on. But, look, you know, Baylor is a, uh, one of the best defensive teams. I mean, obviously – um, you know, in the country, they lead the Big 12 in steals. I mean, you know, that's going to be something that they could create some offense through the defense, which is what they've done. Uh, they've kind of changed a little bit how they've had to manufacture points, but they take care of the basketball. Um, they play very well as a team. Um, and you can't help but just, you know, really, really tip your hat to what Coach Drew has done with that team and that program this year. Talking with college basketball coach and analyst Scott Spinelli of the Believe Podcast Network. Scott, you were at Texas A&M for a little bit. When you look at this situation, I know Buzz really isn't too happy about them not making into the the big dance. Does he really have a leg to stand on with them dropping so many games earlier in the season? Well, look, I hate to say it, guys. I coached at A&M for a while, so I'm an Aggie um, in, in a lot of ways. So I'm rooting for Buzz and, and the Aggies. Um, you know, obviously they had that tough stretch, right, where they lost, you know, all those games in a row. And I think sometimes what happens is you lose a lot of games and all of a sudden, you know, you get kind of labeled, you know, or maybe they're not having as good a year. But make no mistake about it, you know, um, you know, Buzz did a tremendous job with that team. Uh, they they made an incredible run in the SEC tournament in a league that, you know, by the way, is very, very good top to bottom. And uh, they were, you know, one game away from getting there. And so it's hard to really, you know, from where we're sitting, we don't know all of the metrics um, that, uh, you know, the committee uses, right? And look, I mean, there's only 60, well, 64 plus the four, 68 teams that are, are going to get bids. And, you know, we just don't know what went into the decision-making, um, you know, with all of this. I do think they were right there. I think Richmond winning that conference tournament beat Davidson. You know, they got themselves in the tournament. And even Virginia Tech, you know, winning theirs. I think, you know, the ACC, I thought they were on the bubble. Um, and I think that, you know, again, the more those teams win their conference tournaments, the less bids. And I think uh, Texas A&M was a victim of that. When you look at this NCAA tournament and, and the teams that, that really have a shot, the teams out of the Big 12 – is it a situation of they went through that meat grinder of the Big 12 and it's just, hey, let's wait and see if they can get their legs back underneath them, or does that make them more prepared to have a deep run in this tournament? Well, I'll tell you what. I've been in these Power 5 conferences as a coach, assistant, associate head coach, uh, head co interim head coach, and i got to tell you, that's a hard uh, question to answer, and let me tell you why. 
sometimes, to your point, it actually helps you to be, have been battle-tested along the way. And so when you get into these NCAA tournament games, you know, you're not surprised with anything you see. You know, you're going to see teams that play slow, that play fast, that play zone. That You know, look at Norfolk State now. I mean, Baylor's in a position where they're going to be playing against a team um, that will – you know, um, mix up their defenses. I mean, they're going to extend that, you know, that, uh, that half, that, uh, that half court two, three, um, that they run, they're going to get into a two, two, one, three quarter court. Um, they're a very good defensive man to man team. So I, I guess my point is you, you see a lot of different things along the way within the big 12 that helps, that helps and thinks it's going to help prepare for these tournament games. But the flip side of that too now, and I've seen this happen when you play in such a, you know, um, a tough competitive league that every night uh, mentally and physically it wears on kids um, when they get into the tournament, sometimes their, their legs are a little weary or their, their focus isn't there mentally. And that can also play into some of these teams getting upset. So I think you can look at it uh, both ways. Um, and it's hard to really, um, again, make that, you know, um, you know, answer that and be totally right either way. Um, but I will tell you, the last thing I will tell you, the Big 12 um, was a very – Scott, you still there? expect a lot of those teams from the Big 12 to show very, very well in this tournament. I do. Scott, as somebody who's evaluated and developed guys for the NBA, what are your thoughts on Matthew Meyer? When, I mean, last year he was – the way he played, he was you know on the trajectory to be drafted pretty, you know, reasonably high in the NBA draft, and he comes back this year – kind of a lackluster season. What are your thoughts on that when you look at him as a, a NBA prospect? Well, I think so much of evaluating players, and you learn this along the way, and it really begins, you know, obviously when they're younger. I, I think, you know, I was a younger coach. Um, I was a head coach in prep school, and I made a lot of mistakes at misevaluating players at that young age. And the reason why is because, I was basing it all on numbers, statistics, and who scored the most points and, you know, who did, uh, you know, who had the most rebounds. And I think what you have to take a step back and really watch, especially in Matthew's case, is, look, every player is used differently within a system. Every coach, I don't care if you're in junior high, high school, AAU, um, has a role that they want their players to play in their particular style or system of play. And I think as an evaluator is one of the most important parts of recruiting. It is the most important part. You have to see past that, how a player is used, how efficient they are, and how you could and, and use your imagination and your vision to take somebody like Matthew and say, hey, I'm going to use Matthew you know, like this, and we're going to use him like this. And I think that's where the evaluation comes in. But I don't think he's had as much of a lackluster year that you know I think people will – you know, say because his numbers are a little down. I just think that, again, you know, with injuries, you know, you come into your sophomore season now, you're more of a headline guy on scouting reports. There's more of a focus on defending you. I think some of that has something to do with his numbers being a little bit down. But I think he is a tremendous talent, and I do think he's an NBA player or will be at some point. Coach, do you have a Final Four, and do you want to share that with us? Well, I tell you what, I, you know, I was doing a lot of these uh, different uh, interviews and, you know, look, there's some teams to me that stand out and, and I'm going to start with Duke. And I think Gonzaga and Duke are on a collision course. Now, again, 
both those two teams, if they lose focus in any of those rounds, could get beat. But if they do end up in that bracket uh, playing one another, this is my take on Duke. Look, you know, they had a lot of emotion, as you guys know, with that last game with Coach K at Cameron. That was just uh, maybe too much for those young kids to look around uh, and have the, the practically the, the whole world watching them send off Coach K, um, you know, in that last game. Um, and so I think the emotion of that game got to them a little bit. I think it spilled into the ACC tournament where they did not have, um, even though they got to the championship game, they were not the same team. When they got back to Cameron and they watched that film, I can guarantee you a couple of things. One, you know, they're going to really get refocused defensively because they had a lot of breakdowns. They were, you know, in uh, their positioning, one pass away wasn't right, two pass away wasn't right. Their point of ball screen coverage was not good. And when they get refocused and they tweak that stuff through film work and they get back to playing what Duke was doing or playing how they were prior to that Carolina game. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, you can't put an analytic or statistic on somebody's will and emotion and drive. And I think Duke after losing might help them not help them as much as you don't want to lose, but it might help them in this NCAA tournament, take the pressure off and really, really make a push here to try to win it all. So I like Duke and the bottom bracket. I think Purdue, I think St. Mary's is a team you have to watch. They're older, they're experienced. They held Gonzaga to 57 points this year and beat them by 10. Gonzaga averages 87, 88. Uh, they're the number one overall seed. So keep your eye on St. Mary's, Purdue. I like those two teams down there. Um, you know, look, I love Villanova. I think Villanova with Gillespie, very difficult team to beat. Their identity, their culture, similar to Baylor's. I think you've got to watch Villanova. And then, you know, look, you know, Auburn is a team that could win it all also. But those are some of the teams that I'm kind of keeping my eye on here to make a run to the Final Four and potentially cut down the nets. Hey, Coach, tell us a little bit about the uh, the podcast, The Breakdown. Well, you know, this was a very interesting concept that we took on this year. Um, and, you know, look, I was, I've been in coaching for so many years at every level, and I took over as a head coach at Boston College. And, you know, uh, we kind of went into something. Uh, you know, I was looking at different things to do. I was going to, you know, I didn't get the head job I was looking for. So we talked after the season, and, and we got into this thing and said, look, let's really work on, you know, um, doing. We, we started off with basically an ACC breakdown. Um, you know, uh, the conference and really kind of went through each team in terms of a uh, before the season type preview. Um, and then we kind of get into a lot of other things here, you know, that kind of came from that. And, you know, the one thing that from a, you know, look, when you're a coach, you, you know, you, you've been in this, you've been sat on the bench and you're really speaking from experience. And I think, you know, people don't realize, you know, this is a very tough profession. And these coaches that have uh, helped their teams or helped their programs get to the NCAA tournament, you know, um, these kids deserve a lot of credit. The coaches deserve a lot of credit. Win or lose, uh, this is a big accomplishment to get where these uh, these coaches are at. I think we, through the podcast and through a lot of the media stuff that we did, is really call uh, you know your attention or maybe kind of just express to the public a little bit more about what these coaches and these kids and some of their uh, things that they go through in terms of um, you know a season and off season and development and so on and so forth it's the uh, believe podcast network and, and coach we uh, we certainly do appreciate your time this morning thanks so much thanks for having me guys talk to you soon that is uh, Scott Spinelli